we are going through the book of Proverbs, and I was thinking a real fun way to start this morning is to get a couple of volunteers, and we're just going to start it with a game and, and be interactive, and so can I get some people to come forward? Uh, volunteers, you guys are really going to help me illustrate what we're going to talk about today. Thanks. Thank you, Matt Yuan. Thanks for coming up here. And also thank you, Jared. Is there a man named Jared here? Jared, come on up here. Yeah, thank you guys. You guys are great. Okay, Jared, if I can get you to stand right here, and Matt, if I can get you to stand right here. By the way, Jared is one of our home group leaders for our young adult home group. And... Um, I don't know if you got a chance to meet Jared. He's an awesome guy. This guy's okay, too. This guy's my neighbor, actually. Um, so this, this is the game that we're going to play, okay? Now, here's the fundamental premise. Each of you have a problem. But on top of that problem is they don't know what problem they have. So, Jared, I want you to turn around, okay? And I'm going to tape this problem to your back. And you don't know what that problem is. But people around you do. That is the premise of the game. That's his problem right there. He has no idea he has this problem. But the people around him, like Matt, can see that he has this problem. Matt, could you turn around? This is Matt's problem, okay? Right here. Now, if you know Matt, you know this is the opposite from being true. But let's just say for this game, he's got this problem. Now, listen, Matt doesn't know he has that problem. People around him do know he has this problem. Jared understands Matt's problem. Matt's problem doesn't even understand his own problem. You guys get the fundamental premise of the game, right? Here's the thing. You guys can talk to each other. You can ask each other questions, but you can only respond in five words or less. And we're going to give you 40 seconds to ask each other what you think is each other's problems. And then we're going to interview and see how well you know your own problem. Does that make sense? Just between us, you... Ready? Go. You have 40 seconds for both of you. Go. You can always say, can you state my problem in five words or less, but you cannot use exact words. Sorry, go. No. That's one of your words. Wow, this is going really badly. Really, really badly. Okay, you are not, okay, now, now you have a turn to ask him. Go, go, ask the question. Am I, am I uh, happy? Yes. No. <laughs> am I happy? No, you're not happy. You're not happy yet. Am I, am I generous? Am I selfish? Am I... Okay, this is what we call a failed illustration. <laughs> this... I didn't imagine this going this way in my head. Okay, but listen, Jared, you have a problem. You don't know what your problem is. What do you think your problem is, having talked with Matt, who is so <laughs> insightful and helpful? What do you think it is? Uh, Self-centered? Self-centered? A little bit. You think you are destined to marry Miss Universe. That is your problem. <laughs> and you would need a friend to come up to you and say, you know, Jared, you're a really good-looking guy. You got a lot of game, but you know, looks are not that important, right? You probably need someone to tell him that because he doesn't see the problem. Okay, now Matt, what do you think your problem is? Um, I want people like me. And not even close. <laughs> You're an angry person and other people are scared of you. Oh, 
I know you guys know Matt, that's totally not true at all. But if I were a good friend, I would say, hey, Matt, uh, let's talk about this issue. You know, you, you spew, and people are kind of intimidated of you, right? Yeah. Okay, thank you guys so much. You guys can go back. Sorry, guys, that was a really bad illustration, but that was my bad. That was my bad. Okay. Um, this game is, was supposed to illustrate some kind of truth that is out there. And I want you guys to think about that. The, the truth is that we lack self-awareness. We have stuff and we can't see our own stuff. Is that true? Is that true? Now, added to this, other people around us, like people who are close to us, they can see our stuff. But most of the time, they have no place to tell it to us or to gently correct us or to say, listen, I don't know if anyone's ever told you this, but blah, 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 blah. And so we have this fundamental problem. We can't see our own junk. Other people can, but they have no access to actually talk to us about it or to speak the truth in love. Now, let me give you a few examples of this. There's a bunch of us right now, and the way that we're treating our parents is so not right. And we don't see it as a problem. We justify it. Other people around us see that this is not good behavior, but we don't ourselves see it. Some of us have a, a gossip, gossip, gossiping problem. And we justify it so we don't see it. Other people around us hear it and see it, but we don't. How helpful would it be for someone to actually speak the truth and love to us and let us know what they see that we don't see. Some of us have a perfectionism problem. And uh, it's preventing us from taking risks that we should take. But we don't see the problem. And so we're not taking risks. And how cool would it be for a wise counselor to come in our lives and say, listen, you really need to take more risks. You're never going to be fully, totally ready and challenge us and, and stretch us in that direction. Some of us are overly critical and we tend to focus on the negative and we, have, we don't have a really good idea how that's affecting other people around us. Some of us can't say no. Anyone have that problem? And you, you can't say no and so you don't know your own boundaries. Now, it's, there's genuine love to it but there's also some people pleasing. And so we go beyond our limits and then we get resentful and then we burn out and other people around us see this pattern, but we're not very aware of it our, ourselves. Some of us have unhealthy patterns of reconciliation. When someone hurts us, instead of lovingly, gently confronting them, we just withdraw. We, we vent to a friend. or we just, we just drop the friendship. And this is a pattern for us. And we see it, but we don't see it entirely. We don't see the full extent of it. And other people do, but we're not giving them an access to, uh, to talk to us about it. 
You guys, we have a problem, and the, the problem is that we don't see our own stuff. We lack self-awareness. And so today, we're talking about what it looks like to give the, the wise counselors around us permission to speak the truth in love and to help us see what we don't see, but we need to see it in order to grow. You know, this message has a, an observation, and it also has a, a promise or, or a hope. The observation is that if we are going to be people who are truly teachable, who are truly open to someone else actually showing us our stuff that we can't see, oh my goodness, it is going to take a lot of work. We are going to have to be really intentional about fighting to be teachable. That's the observation. But the promise is that if we remove barriers to being teachable, if we remove barriers, the promise is that there is no ceiling and no limit to how much we can grow spiritually, in our leadership, relationally. There would be, the sky would be the limit in terms of how we could potentially grow. But if we do not intentionally remove those obstacles and do what's, and, and we just naturally do what's easy, we're going to be very limited. We're going to be stunted in how much we can grow and flourish. And so that's what's at stake with this message. Now, we're going through the book of Proverbs, and as I've been studying the book of Proverbs, and just with an open mind, just seeing what kind of emerges, this is the issue that emerged uh, first in my mind as I was reading Proverbs, which is being teachable which is allowing other people to speak into your life. And so let's go to Proverbs 12, 15 first. And this is what Proverbs 12, 15 says. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. I want you to listen to the first part of this verse. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. Isn't this verse kind of scary? It, I mean, this verse is, is suggesting that you could be so convinced that a certain way is right. And then as you look back or as, as, then as, as, as time passes and you get a better reflection you could realize that was the way of a fool. You could realize I was going the way of a fool. I'll give you an example. Um, when I was in college, I had a, a, a staff worker, and his name was Jeff. And there was one day, um, after about like six months of being in the fellowship and making friends with people, that he, he, said, um, he said, Andy, I, I used to be Andy back then, he said, Andy, we need to talk. So he sat me down, and he started to say, you know, I've noticed that you have a lot of friends in the fellowship, and a lot of those friends that you have are women. And um, I've just kind of been noticing the way that you, you relate to women, and it, it seems like you're really flirty. That's what he said to me. He said, really flirty. And 
And then he, he kept on going. He said, and it seems like you're leading them on. And then he kept on going, and he was, he was giving me advice. He said, my advice to you is to invest in the guys in the fellowship. Invest in the guys and the men, you know? And so I was listening to him, and I said, you know, thank you, and I'll pray about it, and I'll think about it, right? But then I left that meeting, and I was thinking, I don't think he knows what he's talking about. I honestly felt like, you know, I think I know a little bit better than he does. I don't think I really have an issue. And here's the scary thing. I actually prayed about it, and I felt like Jesus was, was saying to me, yeah, you're fine. It's okay. And so I just, I was not very teachable. I was like, okay, right? And I just kept on doing what I was doing. And then several months later, they had something called Fall Conference. And I went to Fall Conference. And the speaker just happened to be talking about forgiveness and reconciliation. And it was, it was a really um, bold message. And, 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 and she said, in this next hour, if you... If you are holding any grudges against anyone in the fellowship, I want you to go and just, just talk to them and work it out. And during that time, I had a, a woman come up to me and talk to me and say, you know, we need to talk. And then an, another woman came, and there were three women that came up to me during that time. And I, I, was, I was, like, dumbfounded. Like, what, what, what happened? I don't have a problem. And I realized, oh my goodness, I'm a fool, an unteachable fool. And my staff worker was right. I do have issues, and I got to work on this. But, but, but here's the thing. This, the scripture is saying the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. And I, I think that means we have a discernment problem. That we would like to think our judgment is very pure and objective, but it's not true. There's bias there. There's very limited perspectives. There's blinders there. There's a selfish disposition and an inherent resistance towards change. And so we need wise advice. Everyone needs someone to look into their lives and say, look, let me tell you what I see that you don't see because we don't see our own stuff. And that's a fundamental problem that we have. And so the scripture says the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. A wise woman listens to advice. A wise person takes in advice. My mom. I went home three weeks ago just to spend dinner with my mom. And the kids were there. And, uh, and then I did something that I, I hadn't really done before, at least for a long time. I started doing dishes. So I'm at my mom's house. Kids are watching TV, and I'm doing dishes. I'm doing dishes. My mom's there. My mom loves this, like, side conversation when I'm, like, working for her. You know, she loves that. And so I'm doing dishes, and I have this thought. And the thought is, why not invite my mom to do the very thing that I'm very excited about doing these days? Now, what, I, what have I been doing? I've been thinking about ways for our church to better enjoy God. And so I've been experimenting with different spiritual disciplines. And the one that's really coming alive for me is Bible memorization. 
So I was, I was just, you know, my mom's there. I'm doing, and I'm like, hey, mom, um, everyone, you know, is getting older. Mom you're, you're, mom, you're getting older. You're getting older. I, I said that to her. My mom and I, we, we, we kind of joke around. Like, mom, you're getting older. You're getting older. And, uh, and you know, our minds start to go. And, uh, but I know of a technique that can really sharpen your mind. And it'll help you grow a bigger faith in God. And it's called Bible memorization. Now, I gave her a five-minute spiel, right? A five-minute spiel. And then I'm like, okay, uh, done with the dishes, uh, packed up the kids, got in the car, went back home. A week later, I'm having lunch with my mom, and I go, hey, mom, remember last week we were talking about Bible memorization? And my mom goes, oh, hold it, one second, right? She goes to her bag, and she, she brings out this notepad. I'm not kidding you, this notepad. It's like, oh, Enzu. I have been memorizing four verses of scripture from different books. She's like, here, test me, test me, you know. This, this is my mom, this is my mom. And I, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, really? I, I gave you the five-minute spiel of doing dishes. There's no illustrations or, or testimonies or PowerPoint. Really? My mom is over 70 years old. And she's teachable. Like, wow, that's my mom. Now, let me ask you, how many of you are 40 years or older? Raise your hands. Raise your hands. Okay. Now, I don't know who said this, but someone told me that at age 40, you stop being teachable. Like, that means that everyone here in this side of the room is in the category of no, not teachable. Is that true? I did, now, I don't know because I'm not over 40, so... I don't know if that's true, but is that true? At age 40, you started to become more set in your ways. Some people are nodding like, that's true, right? Is that true? And, and my follow-up question is that, is that something that we're supposed to look forward to? You know, I, what would happen if we refused to stop being teachable? What would happen if by God's grace you said, Lord, it happened around 40, let that not happen to me. I want to always be learning, like my mom, and be a lifelong learner. What would happen? What would, think about this. What would happen if age 50, we're like, I have just begun to experience the grace and the love of God. There's so much more for me to learn and experience. What if we did that? I have, at age 50, we're like, I have just begun to discover what it means to live in the fullness of God's grace and to be uh, his son or daughter. What if we did that? Wouldn't that be so cool? That means the second part of life would be even better than the first. Can I get an amen from the people over here? But you got to be teachable, right? We have to be teachable. And so the scripture says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. Be careful, but a wise man listens to advice. A wise woman listens to advice. And so, be a lifelong learner. Every day is a new adventure in learning something new about the grace of God. Every day is a new adventure in learning something new about the grace of God. Proverbs 15.31. Let's keep going. The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Let me say that again. The ear, the ear, everyone grab your ear and just, 
The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Now, let me ask you, how many of you guys use the word reproof a lot? I don't. I don't use that. Oh, did you? I, I don't use reproof a lot. What does reproof mean? Well, I checked it up on the phone, and reproof means criticism, which is interesting because the word that comes before it is what? Life-giving. I mean, aren't these things opposite? No. <laughs> In fact, you, they're, 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 they're part of the same concept, life-giving criticism. Now, now, think about this. What two words do we commonly use that means the same thing? It's criticism, but it's life-giving. What words do we use? We use constructive feedback, right? You guys use that word, constructive feedback. Or another way of saying is uh, speaking the truth in love. Now, now listen to this verse, okay? The ear that listens to constructive feedback will dwell among the wise. Think about that. The, the ear that listens to truth that's spoken in love will dwell among the wise. Now, this is... Uh, my proposal. I think there's two ways that you can actually take in this verse. There's a passive way, and then there's a proactive way. Now, the, the, the passive way is that you can wait for someone to just pull you aside and speak truth to you. You know, I, I don't know, maybe it's a, a home group leader, maybe, maybe it's someone a little bit wiser who loves you and knows how to do that. You can just wait. I'm just going to wait for it to happen. And when it happens, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really be open. I'm going to really be open to receiving that, okay? But, but, but here's the thing. The problem with that is that that doesn't happen that much. And normally, if a wise person knows that you got an issue with something, they're not going to tell you unless you do what? Unless you ask. But most of the time, we don't give permission. And so we don't give permission, and so they don't tell. And they don't tell, so we don't grow. You, you, see, you see the problem here. Now, there's a passive way, which, okay, when it happens to me, I'm just going to take it. Or there's a proactive way, which is I am asking. I, I'm giving you permission. I, I want you to speak into my life. There's things that are in my life, and they shouldn't be there, and I don't even see them. If you see them, I want you to tell me. Rain and I were in Hong Kong, we're on vacation, and we're, we're, mom was driving, and so we, 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 uh, we said to mom, we said, hey mom, um, if there is, because you know, Rain and I, we want to be the best parents that we can be, and it's very natural for every uh, set of parents to have blind spots. So we said to mom, mom, if you see anything in our parenting where, you, where, you, where we could improve, then we want you to go ahead and tell us. Raina, and I'm looking at Raina, and Raina's like nodding her head, like, yeah, yes, we want you to tell us. And so, she, so my mom said, my mother-in-law said, well, um, I, I can't think of anything now, but I'll think about it. I'm like, okay, good, good, yeah, okay. So then the vacation uh, was over. They never came and talked to us about it. And then several months later, we had another vacation, and this time they were over in the Bay Area, and we, we spent like 10 days together. And then at the very end, my father-in-law said, hey, we'd like to spend a little bit of time talking with you guys. We're like, okay. So we put the kids to bed, and we're all on the fan when they're talking. And then my, my, my father-in-law says this. He says, Mom and I have noticed that you, uh, you and Reina are very loving parents, 
and um, it, the way you raise your kids, is this, there's so much love that's there, and that's, that's really good. But um, we, we think you need to work a little bit on the discipline. That's what he, that's what he said to us, right? Now, I, I turned to my, my father-in-law, and I, you know, like, like question, you know, <laughs> question, you know, uh, um, can you give some concrete examples? Now, that's a reasonable uh, question, right? And, and then so then he, <laughs> he turned to me and said, well, Andrew, you, uh, yesterday, you were trying to get the kids into the car to go to, to dinner. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And you said, hey, kids, go in the car. We're going to go and grab dinner. And then I looked at them, and they were just sitting there like you didn't say anything at all. And then he says to me, and then, Andrew, you said it again. And I looked at them, and they didn't do anything, and you said it again. Andrew, you said it four times. And each time I looked at you, and then I looked at them, and I was thinking, how, why are you letting this, them do that? And so, okay, I think, I think at, at that moment, I had an honest confession. I was mad. Okay, I was angry. I was angry. Now, I'll give you three reasons why I was angry. The first reason I was angry is because we didn't give him permission to say it. We gave mom the nicer one permission. We never gave you permission. It's supposed to come through mom because she's more gentle, right? And then here's the second reason. I, I asked you for concrete examples, but you weren't supposed to use me, right? There's plenty of other examples you could have chosen from, you know? Okay, and third reason why I was mad is because I knew that dad was right. Dad was right. I did say it four times. And here's the crazy thing. The crazy thing is that Raiden and I believe, we believe, like, we believe that one of the most fundamental basic lessons we can, we can teach our kids is obedience and authority and respect. And I know that we were sliding, but I just didn't know how far we had slid in, you know? I didn't know how far we were. And, and Dad was like, Dad was pointing out to us what we could not see. We were like dancing to this part together, and we couldn't see how far we had gone. And we needed a wise counselor in our life to go, um, excuse me, do you see this? Because we couldn't see it. Now, now listen, dad probably would not have said this to us if we did not give him what? Permission. Are you guys giving wise counselors in your life permission to speak truth that you need to hear in order to grow? Now, Rain and I don't want to be high love and low discipline. We don't want to be that. We needed dad to come and say, hey, listen, uh, you guys probably don't see this, but this is what I see. And then we saw it, and then we made mid-course corrections. We need people in our lives like that. And you have people in your lives like that, probably. The question is, are you giving them permission to speak truth into your life? Are you? Maybe you need to do that. Now, uh, I was talking to a friend about this, and we were just doing a little bit of reflection. Like, What's the number one thing that keeps us from giving the wise counselors in our lives permission to speak into our lives? What's the number one thing that keeps us from giving them permission? He, he shared with me his, and I, I shared with him mine. His 
The number one reason was pride. He was just really honest. He's like, I don't give permission to the wise counselors because you know something? Honestly, I don't feel like I need it. I think I can see things clearly all on my own, and what I see is way more important than what they see. Is that you? Is pride keeping you from giving them permission? Now, let me be honest with you. For me, it's maybe the other side of pride. For me, the reason why I don't give other people, like, like after this message, the number one reason I will not, I would not call someone and say, hey, can you give me feedback on this message? Number one reason is misplaced identity. It's because I, I, I measure my worth by my performance. And so before I pick up that phone, I know this sounds really sad, but it's true, I have to do this. I have to preach to myself. I go, Andrew, and I, seriously, sometimes I even say it out loud. Andrew, your worth is not in your performance. It's all in Jesus who loves you unconditionally. You got that? Yes, I got that. You hear that? Yes, I hear that. So you can make this phone call so someone can help you improve your craft, and the purpose of that craft is to help people. It's not to prove that you're important. It's to help people, and you want to help people, don't you? Yes, I do. Okay, then pick up that phone call. Okay, let's do it. Yeah. I have to preach to myself. Why? Because I want to give that person permission. Why? Because they have information that I don't have. Why do I need that permission? Why do I need the information? Because I want to grow. I want to know Jesus better. I want to be a person that, that looks like and embodies Christ. And I need help from the people around me who see what I don't see. Can I get an amen? And so Proverbs says, The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. So give people permission and humble yourself and preach to yourself so that you can actually give them that permission. Okay, I have one more verse. One more verse. Proverbs 15.22. Proverbs 15.22. Without counsel... Plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. Let's do a little bit of uh, interactive um, uh, Q&A right here. Um, if we are looking at this passage, what comes before plans are dreams and hopes. So let me just ask you, like in this crowd, in this, in this group, what are some of the dreams and the hopes that are in this room? So for, for, uh, for starting, is there anyone here who hopes to leverage all of their God-given gifts in their career? Maybe your career is to be a full-time dad or mom. Maybe your career is out in you know, the business world or you're a missionary. But, but how many of you want to leverage all of your God-given gifts in your career? Raise your hands. I, come on, guys. I think it's everyone, right? Right? Okay, well, here's, a, here's a second. Well, and then the commentary to that is, well, if we really have that hope, we probably should have a plan, right? Okay, here's the second question. How many of you, honestly, you're being honest, hope to be married one day and raise a family? You know, raise your hand. Okay, that's a good number of us. Well, uh, you know, I'm going to say, uh, you, you probably should have a plan. There probably should be a plan in place if this is going to... How many of you want to remain single and focused? I mean, that, that's actually not easy to do. Maybe you should have a plan. Okay, how about this one? How many would one day want to retire 
and retire in a way that gives God glory? Raise your hand. One day, okay, you, you probably all would. Well, you probably need a plan, right? Now, okay, if you have a, you get a hopes and a plan. Okay, if you have a plan, then listen to this verse. It goes, without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. If, if those plans, if those dreams are going to be realized, you need helpful feed, feedback from people who have gone further than you have, who probably have had the same plans, and they know this works, this doesn't work. I've been there before. We need that kind of advice. It's really, really going to help us. Now, can you guys look in that direction? Can I have Jordan just stand, stand up and like wave to people? Can you just wave? Can you stand up and just wave? That was a great wave. Okay, you can sit down now. Thank you, Jordan. Um, uh, this, this is a story about Jordan. Jordan recently graduated um, from UC Davis. But before he graduated, oh, someone's happy about that. Who's happy about that? Okay, Matt's happy about that. But Matt, you're the only one in the room talking about that. Um, okay, so Jordan graduated from UC Davis, and he had a choice to make, right? And his choice was either um, work in the working world for two years or go to graduate school that was going to really prepare him for his field of work in the future. Do you know what Jordan did? He emailed 10 people. I'm not kidding you. He emailed 10 people who are in the field that he feels called to in the future. He emailed them. And he said, well, I respect you guys. You guys, are, you guys have wise counsel. Uh, can you tell me uh, which one I should do? Because I'm thinking about this one, or I'm thinking about this one, and, and these are some of the things that I'm weighing. Uh, give me some advice. All 10 of those people wrote back to Jordan. I don't know. People love it when they can actually talk from their experience. If they can help someone else, and someone is asking, they would love to give you that information. Now, Jordan's telling me that these guys were giving me questions I didn't even think to ask. These guys were saying, well, in, in, in my experience, this worked, this didn't work. They were helping him think about things he wasn't even thinking about. There was all this wealth of wisdom that came back through one email because he had the humility to ask. Now, I was amazed. He was telling me this story. I was amazed, not just at all the experience and all the, 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 the wisdom but I was amazed that Jordan asked, you know? I was thinking, when I was 20 years old, would I have sent an email like that? And the answer is, no, of course I wouldn't have sent him. This man has so much potential, way more potential than I did at 20. You know why? Because he's teachable. And you know what teachable does? Teachable asks. Teachable wants to learn. Teachable wants to be a learner for the rest of their lives. Are you teachable? Are you teachable? And if you're not because of pride or, or maybe misplaced identity, then let's work on that. Because if we are intentional about removing those obstacles, then we can be teachable. And if we're teachable and we give permission to wise counsel, then we can grow and flourish in ways we never knew we could. So let's do it. Let's have the spirit of my mom who's like, yep, let's do it. There are a couple different ways for us to apply this message. Um, my challenge to you is this coming week, as soon as Monday hits, whenever there's a difficult decision or whenever there's some sort of problem that's, that, where there's, there's reasonable difficulty, my first word to you is pray. And my second word to you is ask people a little bit older, certainly wiser, and ask them to help you. 
say, what do you think about this? Tell them your thoughts and say, you know, I, I would really like you to speak into this situation for me. Tell me what you think. We don't do that enough. And if we did that, there's so much resource and help and love and prayer that could come our way. Even right now after church, we have an amazing opportunity. There's a lunch buddy deal that's going on, meaningful topics to discuss together. I would encourage you to really make the most of that time. Go to your, your lunch buddy appointment, ask good questions, listen, learn. Be a lifelong learner. Because without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. This is wisdom from the scripture. This is wisdom from the scripture. The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell with the wise. And the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise person listens to advice. I have one last, one last piece for you, one last thought for you. The main idea of this message is that we all have stuff, and most of us can't see all of our stuff. Actually, most of us have a good deal of stuff that we can't even see at all. But the people around us probably do see. And that's, the, that's the big idea of the message. Now, if this is true in the small areas of life, isn't this also true in the big areas of life? And I would say yes. The gospel of Jesus Christ fundamentally has a first part message that says we are more sinful than we ever realized. Isn't that true? When I became a Christian, I had no idea how sinful I was. I thought I was actually a pretty good person. But with time and scripture and the Holy Spirit and wise counselors around me pointing my stuff gently, I realized that is totally not true. That in so many ways, at the very core of my being, I am a sinner in need of grace. But here's the thing. When we entrust ourselves to Jesus Christ, he's the wisest counsel in the universe, and he shows us the stuff that we can't see. But he doesn't just leave us there. He provides the ultimate solution. What's the solution that the wisest counselor in the universe provided? He died on a cross, and by dying on that cross, he became the solution to our greatest problem, which was the problem of sin. So my last word to you guys is give yourselves entirely to this wise counselor. Give him permission to put a finger on whatever he wants to put a finger on. But here's the thing. This wise counselor is not just going to leave you with advice. This counselor is a savior who actually provides the ultimate solution on the cross and in himself. And if there's a word of encouragement there, bam, that's it. So let's stand and let's pray. Oh, dear Lord Jesus, please forgive us of our pride and our misplaced identity that keeps us from being more teachable. Help us to be lifelong learners, people who are always growing, always wanting to know you more, always hungry for a greater walk with you. Lord, I know there are barriers that need to be removed. And maybe we don't have access to wise counselors in all these places where we need humility and we need people. Would you please provide? Our life is so short and we don't have any wasted time. 
Please help us to grow to become the people you have called us to become by the grace and the peace that is only in Jesus Christ. And in his name we pray.